Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Make no mistake, if you're an author, you're an entrepreneur. You're selling the world on your book, aren't you? Of course, it's not as easy as launching a business and then tossing any old book up on Amazon. That's why I help entrepreneurs publish books on the specific topic and in the specific way that will launch or grow their businesses. Welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with your professor, Anna David. Hi there, welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy, hosted by me, Anna David. And uh, every week I talk to entrepreneurs and best-selling authors about how a book can help build their business. I do one-on-one episodes and Really increasingly, it's going to be focused on how a book can help build your business. Now, this is a very special episode because it is the very first episode that took place on the hot new app, Wisdom. Go check it out. It's like, it's like, uh, why am I forgetting what Clubhouse before Clubhouse got uncool. And you can actually record and um, and it's with my friend and your new friend, Joe DeMaria. And he is one of the most brilliant people I know. And he helps coaches, consultants, um, and peak performers create online courses. And But he's, he's an absolute genius on many, many levels. And he has a company called Teach to Scale, but he's so much more than that. And so... In, he doesn't have a book. As it turns out, there's more to that story. So here's here's what I want you to know about this chat. I didn't know on Wisdom, I thought that he had 10 minutes to talk and then I had to talk the whole time. So I'm talking and talking for 10 minutes and I'm so sorry and I thought about editing it down, but I think there's some good information in there. And then I get a text from him that says, you do realize you can stop talking and I can start again. So it is an interview, but but it has, that. those are my caveats. And like, we're talking a little bit about our friend who's there, Marissa, who's there, future podcast guest listening. Um, I think it's kind of fun and kind of awesome and a little bit different. So if you want the show notes and that'll, provide links to Wisdom and Joe and so much more, just go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com slash blog slash Joe. Now, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Joe. Hey, Anna. How are you? Um, I'm a little stressed out. This is the very first time I'm using this Wisdom app. Our best friend, Marissa, is here. So let's talk about what we're going to be talking about today, which is you you, you, you. So who are you? Who am I is something I am still figuring out. <laughs> but um, no, I've, I've uh, spent the past decade or so building e-learning programming um, for different companies, entrepreneurs. Um, you know, a lot of that has turned into sort of a brand strategy, business strategy, marketing strategy. Originally, I'd started an agency about a decade ago. 
So I've been doing a lot of advising uh, for companies, well, actually for you, for one, but also mm -hmm. for corporations that want to get into the e-learning market, um, that want to kind of build out their marketing, their build a more scalable business, et cetera, and so on. So that's kind of where I've existed for the past decade or so. I would say that you're underselling yourself. You are um, a genius of the highest order who um, basically broke into the business world at what age and started being incredibly successful at what age? Um, I dropped out of school when I was 18 to start, and I was I struggled for a couple years, like everyone should, of course. And I, it took me probably about two, three years before I had my first kind of breakthrough and, and started getting some real traction. Mm -hmm. um, and then my big moment was probably at about 24. So, you know, about a five-year journey to really kind of building something. And so since at this point you have six minutes and 23 seconds to keep talking, I'm not going to waste any of your time talking. Um, what I would like everybody to hear about um, right now, Marissa, later when I release this as a podcast, billions of people, um, you have an amazing story about how you got started as an entrepreneur and you truly were the youngest person I've ever heard of getting started. So what 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 kind of scandal did you get into with this uh the soda watergate, soda gate? Soda gate, yeah. It's uh it was a it was a mitzvah. Um it, what happened was essentially my school in part of like Granola, California, they decided to remove all like sugary drinks and substances and candies, etc. Uh, which caused an uproar amongst the the youth in the school. And there was a market there. And mm -hmm. so what I, I started doing is I started smuggling in um, sodas and candy and starting bidding wars to, you know, really kind of drum up a, a market there. It turned into custom orders. It ended up being I needed more supply to fit the demand. I started recruiting other kids and having them steal Sto uh, sodas from their family mm -hmm. they became uh, they became sort of my lieutenants in mm -hmm. this uh this little mafia that i'd built my my cartel mm -hmm. and uh, i i paid them 25 cents a unit for what they would bring us and then i was selling each of these sodas for sometimes up to five six dollars mm. uh, you know it was a, it was a, a beautiful beautiful thing of course we were caught on cctv camera at some point uh, I think about five or six weeks in. So we were brought to justice pretty quickly, but we'd made about $937. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the my, my first brush in with business there. Um, my favorite part of that story is when I got hauled into the principal's office, they wanted us to return the money. And we like just absolutely refused to do it. There was... There was there was uh, no grounds on which we were going to return the money. And even my father stood behind me and said that there was no way in hell we were returning it. So it was, uh, it was my first negotiation, too. Congratulations on that. Really a sign of what was to come, I would say, in your entrepreneurial journey. So um, there, was, there was another foray into like less than legal business dealings later when you moved to New York, correct? 
That is correct. Yes. Statute of limitations has uh, run out. So you're totally safe talking this, about it. With us. Yes. The statute of limitations has run out. This is my, my 10 day uh, participation in the Brooklyn mob, uh, which was completely accidental. I would not recommend it to anybody, but I had been successfully running a, a little uh, fake ID business which was also an, an interesting story, just seeing a market opportunity since all of the kids at the universities in New York were basically buying their fake IDs from one Chinese company. Mm-hmm. I saw the price point, wanted to see if they would allow me to white label, and they did. They gave me a better deal on bulk pricing, and I started selling the same thing they were buying for $475 for about 350 but i was making about 10 almost what like eight to ten thousand dollars a month doing that Mm -hmm. uh, because i would submit them all in bulk but that ended up getting me on the radar of a group of very nice folks that wanted to create fake passports (laughs) who wanted me to (laughs) in post 9-11 new york um wanted me to create fake passports, wanted me to secure a building, wanted to fund it, wanted to get me involved. And I walked out of a room with a a little bag with some money in it. And it all happened very quickly. And I remember sitting on my bed and going, I'm a criminal now. I did not intend for this to happen. But I guess I'm just committing to a life of crime. And there's plenty of people that have a good life uh, that are criminals. And I guess I'll just I guess I'll just do this. So luckily, I got out of it. Uh, probably 10, 15 or 10 days or so later. Um, <laughs> but I still had to pay, still had to pay a VIG for like the 10 days that I had that money, which ended up being like 30 grand. So it was a, it was a lesson for sure. Would you say that your second foray into criminal activity was less successful than your first? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I built an organization in the first. Yeah. Well, you know, entrepreneurship has its ups and downs. So I think that you proved that. Is there anything else that you can tell me before I advise you on how uh, and what your book should be and how you should do it? Well, I will tell you this. There have been quite a few people that have asked me why I haven't written one yet. Mm -hmm. And they usually ask this question while also tying some kind of idea to it so Mm -hmm. i've had how did you get your seat in uh, you know in boardrooms when you were 20 how did you you know come up with a system for scaling this thing how do you teach online how do you blah 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 blah. so you know my stuff is used in universities my stuff's used in um, different corporations and a lot of people just want to know about the systems the processes Some of them turn it into like human interest. You know, how does the young person take a seat at the table? Um, None of those have ever really sat with me as being like the one. Mm -hmm. And Anna, I don't honestly know what my first book should be. So as I have my last seven seconds here, I just want to say thank you for being willing to help me with it. And I'm listening. Oh my God. This is how we know how successful you've been. You literally ended on the time that you got cut out. Um, so I will say that as I come to understand the wisdom app, I had zero idea that you were allowed to talk for 10 minutes and then I was required, let's just say, because I will mention I'm considered a top mentor on wisdom. 
God help the people. Uh, so basically, I just get to spout off all my ideas for you. So what I was thinking as you were talking is what, first of all, obviously, a series of books would be the thing for you. Uh, you know, one on how did you get your seat in the boardroom, one on how do you scale, one on, you know, building online schools. However, I'm a firm believer in the fact that people really who are not writers by profession, which uh, God help the people who are writers by profession, because that's basically volunteer work, only need one book in order for that book to do exactly what they needed to do. So I see two approaches for you. One is the straight up memoir approach. Also, what what the genre I invented is the bizoir, where you do 10 chapters of memoir and then two to three chapters of here's how you do what I did. And I, I'll be honest, I really thought that would take off as far as I know. Uh, mine is the only bizoir that exists. But hey, give it time. So I could see you doing that. But because you've done, you've been successful at so many things, it, I believe it would be hard to, your audience for who wants to get a seat in the boardroom is different from your audience on how do you scale, is different from your audience on how do you build an online university. And I do think as, uh, as they say in marketing, the riches are in the niches. And so the thinking of, around this, and, and really the first time I heard about this was in Ryan Holiday's Perennial Seller. In that book, he talks about how his first book, uh, uh, Trust Me, I'm Lying, it's called, Confessions of a Media Manipulator. He this was back in like the mid 2000s when social media and Instagram didn't even exist and social media was not what it is today. And he put in his proposal, because he sold it traditionally, this book is for people who work in social media, which was a tiny segment of the population. But what he knew is if you convert a very small group of people, they then become your sellers. It's a bunch of little yous running around telling people to buy your book because the reality is that all of us read, the reason we buy and read books is that somebody we know told us to read it or we read in a publication that we should read it. 99% of us read books that way. I'm sure there are people, and you know, my company does do a lot of keyword research because of course there are people who say, I want to read a book on how to get a seat in the boardroom, and they will go to Amazon and put that in the search box, and then they're looking at reviews, which are really our currency today. So it so me telling people to go read Joe's book means a lot more than Joe telling people to go read his book. So the idea is you convert this sub, 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 sub category of people and then they go and advocate for you. When I was writing Make Your Mess Your Memoir, I thought of a couple that I know in Genius Network. And for everything I wrote, I said to myself, would they like this? Would they respond to this? And they, and I wrote it for them. And, and Joe, you know them. They're a lovely, lovely couple. I wrote it for them thinking they will read this book and they will absolutely hire my company to write their book. 
And as far as I know, they never read it, but lots and lots of people that are just like them did. And they did hire us. So I do think the, again, the issue with you, it's a quality problem, is that you are knowledgeable in so many things, having started your entrepreneurial journey at nine. So, so the bizwar format would be hard because you're targeting different audiences. And so uh, one possibility for you is uh, a, just a straight up memoir, which we've done a lot of those that ha- and they've really helped people build their businesses because we're a, you know, culture that loves story. And so it, you know, the memoir format would basically be the first chapter is starting at the height of the story, which I think getting involved in the mob um, in your second foray into business is a great height of your story. And then you go back to childhood. And because you've been an entrepreneur for your whole life, that would be a way for you to tell sort of weave in what you know how to do and how people can do it, um, as well as tell these amazing stories. And then it, you know, the 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 memoir format is really like about building to this heightened story. Um, oh, good. I can bring you back on. Oh, my God. Thank God. Uh, let's try this. Oh, thank God. Guess waiting. Two, one. Joe, are you back? Uh, thoughts on all go. of that? Yes, yes. I, um, first of all, thanks for the folks that are, are showing up. I want to let you know that I have known Anna for a few years, and what she's saying about you know different book opportunities everyone should write. I most of my clients have written books, and it's kind of embarrassing that I'm the one that hasn't. Agreed. But Anna is like the. Thank you, Anna. Mm. Anna is like the kind of trusted advisor for this stuff. So if it falls from Anna's lips, you should be paying attention to it because she is certainly um, an authority when it comes to this. I mean, I'm I'm making time in my day with family running around in utter chaos going just to listen to Anna tell me what the hell to do and you should do the same. As far as a memoir goes, Anna, I love the idea, but because I'm young, I almost feel arrogant mm. around writing a memoir. And it's always been, it's always been kind of a, I don't know, maybe it's just a psychological thing for me. It's probably just my own bullshit. But the bizarre kind of idea does work, I think, because then it's less about look how how great my story is, and it's more about hey, look at the story pertaining to the couple of, you know, key points, how I did it, you know, you can do it too kind of shit. And that, to me, that that's fine. That makes sense. Um, but a strict memoir kind of, I'll just be honest, it, it makes me a little self-conscious because I think a lot of people look at me and then they look at my age and it immediately kind of negates some of, the the enthusiasm for it especially when most of my clientele that i would like to appeal to like that couple in genius mm-hmm. are you know they're in their 50s and 60s those are mostly the people that hire me um you know the couple that i'm talking about by the way i'm pretty sure if they're in genius yeah well okay so here's what i have to tell you um i see you as somebody who is slightly conflicted about 
putting yourself out there publicly in a way that doesn't have sure. to do with your age, that just has to do with you. And, uh, you know, and, and even starting with how you introduced yourself and your your modesty, over modesty, as somebody who's, you know, I'm, I'm quite skilled at promoting myself. Um, and and it could have to do with the fact that you're just not as self-obsessed as, as someone like me, but I think there's <laughs> something deeper in there that is conflicted with it. Because the truth is, for somebody so accomplished, there's a lot that's hard to find out about you online. And so I think that that's something that a lot of people do battle with. And then it comes up as, who am I to write a book? And and it, why is my story interesting when you know your story is interesting? And technically, there's a big difference between a memoir and an autobiography. Because an autobiography is what you do at the end of your life, um, where you really tell the whole story. Memoirs, especially in the last 10 years, are really a slice of life. They're telling a specific part of your life story. You know, one of the biggest memoirs was um, Brain on Fire, which was a woman telling a story about how she went crazy because of some autoimmune disorder in a short period of time. I blurbed a book called How to Get Divorced in a Year. I wrote a book called Falling for Me, which was just about a year of my life when I tried to take everything Helen Gurley Brown recommended in Sex in the City, no, Sex and the Single Girl, and tried it out. So does that change your opinion that it can just be a slice of your life and that nobody really thinks about a memoir as telling the whole story of a life? That actually, yes, that's incredibly helpful. I, and I'll tell you that you kind of hit it right on the head. I tend to be a very like behind the scenes private person and I am stepping into public eye over the last year or two mm -hmm. um, for the first time. So I'm not Anna David. Uh, Anna David has been a public figure for a long time and is very comfortable in that world. For me, it's it's new. So I do think I'm I'm battling with the idea of, oh shit, now I have to be the public figure. Um, that's actually, I think you make a really good point. And I think the idea, the slice of life that is a memoir rather than the totality of an autobiography, that certainly gives it a, a thinner brief that I think I can write to. Like that, that in and of itself is very interesting to me. And I'd never really thought of it that way. And I would love to correct you about something when you say that I'm very Please. comfortable. I think that is you know, being public or whatever it is. I think that's a major misconception people have about anybody who's putting themselves out there. Every time I put, do an Instagram post, I'm a little bit scared. Every time I do an interview, I'm a little bit scared. Sure. So it doesn't really matter how you can't really judge how comfortable or uncomfortable people are doing it. I think probably everybody's a little bit uncomfortable doing it. Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? Well, good news. That's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. You know, and that makes, I mean, I, I think anybody that knows me knows that I've done probably more time live on air than most people 
that we know in the entrepreneurial world. Cause I mean, I've taught mm-hmm. two to three hours live, no safety net weekly for three, four years. In addition to interviews, radio podcasts, I'm comfortable in those environments. There's something about the, the, uh, let's call it the permanence of the written word mm-hmm. that feels a little more intimidating to me than the, you know, the sort of ethereal value of live production and, you know, podcast audio, that kind of stuff. So, but I think you make a really good point because I mean, you and I, we've both done an incredible amount of uh, speaking media, audio work, video work, both of us, before we started this, our first wisdom together <laughs> um, both of us were like oh shit I'm a little nervous today it's mm-hmm. very it's very weird so I think those things still hit us yeah I mean uh, you know doing something new is always a, a little bit terrifying but I do think um yeah I mean I it's funny that you say the the written word is permanent. In a way, we don't know what's happening to these audio recordings. They may be more permanent. <laughs> and the thing that, you know, that Amazon really changed is that the book isn't permanent. You can go and upload a completely new version of the same book at any time. Then you can go get them printed and you can change the cover. So, and you can even unpublish. I always say Amazon... Um, forgets but it doesn't forgive it allows you to unpublish but your book will always be searchable by title so it's Mm. it's really you know that's just the perception that it's permanent it's not does that change things for you yeah of course it does i mean that i think what we're uncovering here right and i i would tell you this about you know entrepreneurs that want to work with me too the biggest thing that you're always fighting is perception not reality Mm -hmm. so like these are all of the things that we've talked about are just perceptual things none of them have anything to do with you know the reality as it really stands but these are the little battles that happen in people's minds that maybe they are ready to write the book maybe they are qualified to write the book maybe the book in them is the book that you know thousands of people will read or tens of thousands or millions of people will read. Maybe that book will change a, a ton of people's lives, but they never get to write that book because they have all these challenges um, and none of them are real. They're just kind of limiting beliefs about something that cause them to never get out of the gate. And even for somebody like me, that is, I mean, you, I think you've seen my Colby, but like I'm a nine on quick start. Mm-hmm. I'm good at at being uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I've written 90% of like four books and I've never finished any of them because of these little mm-hmm. voices in the back of my head. Thank you for revealing the thing about the 90% of four books. Cause I did not know about that. <laughs> this, this uh, gets me even more incentivized to push you to do this. So yeah, I mean, at, an acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. And the really confusing thing I think about fear is that is that we don't uh, we don't understand that that's that we're scared. It took me so many years to understand that sometimes when I feel depressed, I'm scared. When I feel mm-hmm. I don't want to go to that. I'm just scared. Um, I thought for a long time I hated doing podcast interviews, being on people's podcasts, and and I still don't love it. But it's that I'm scared. So, and there is that finishing 
thing. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's much easier to start something than to finish it. But, and one of the, you know, the client that I coach, this brilliant um, screenwriter that, I, that I've been coaching for, you know, over a year, he has started so many screenplays. He's one of the best writers I've ever read and he cannot finish it. And he's actually trying to graduate, he's a kid, trying to graduate from college and he's one paper away from graduating from NYU, and he cannot seem to do it. Um, it, You know, I'm a big finisher, put it out there very imperfectly. Oh, you're gone. But but I guess I get to bring you back, which is exciting. Um, Let's bring you back, Joe. I kind of want to bring in Marissa and Ella, too, because we have some genius friends that are listening. But Joe, I'm so glad you're back. Um, what do you think of that about fear preventing you? I mean, you know that it's fear preventing you. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I deal with this. It, it, the funny thing is, and you know me well enough, and I know a few people that are listening know me well enough to know that I deal with these same sorts of problems with my clients yeah. and trying to get them over the fear of just going out and doing it. Um, you know, it, it's just a, a normal part of life. And a lot of us work with our clients on those things. But then the minute we get out of our own comfort zone, it's like, oh, shit. Um, you know, so for, for me, I've been, you know, in boardrooms since I was 20. I've been, I've built the 50 million plus dollar company. I've got seats at the table at tons of different companies. My network is storied. Um, but there's still those little voices. And I, I think that's the biggest thing, whether it's working with someone like Anna, working with someone like me, working with someone like Marissa or Ella or whoever else, right? Every single person, regardless of experience, of background, of, you know, whatever, like, amazing achievement, everybody still has those little voices that can stop them from doing things and really put the brakes on. You know, I, a couple of years ago, I built a sales team. I'd never built a sales team before. I built 20, or I ended up having like 20 people on the team, trained them all, built this incredible team. And I wrote the book on how I did it. And I was so passionate about it. And it was so easy for me that I wrote probably like 200 pages in a 14 day trip in the Dominican Republic. And I just got up every day at, 5 a.m. sat on the beach and wrote before my wife woke up. And I got 90% of the way there. As soon as the trip was over, I lost all motivation, never finished it. And I've never been able to get back to that place. And I think that, you know, when you're in the zone, it's easy. But then as soon as you get out of it, and the little voices start up again. I think that's when everybody loses momentum. They hit the breakers and they're done. Um, and I've seen that with people that try to build stuff with me too. It's it's so much momentum based. It's so much headspace. So making, and I guess that's my question again, is like, how do you keep that momentum? How do you stay in that place where you're excited about it, where you believe in it, where you are just in a positive momentum, like in a really good state as you work on something that might it might take you long enough that you do go through ups and downs mentally. There's there's an anxiety and a depression and a whatever that comes with entrepreneurship that means you don't always feel great. You're not always excited about stuff. How do you combat that? Well, I mean, this is what I say to people when they talk about writer's block. It's, it's uh, you know, the bricklayer doesn't wake up, say, I don't feel like 
laying bricks today. I think that I'm just blocked. You know, writers are so, people are so self-indulgent when they're talking about this because it just like anything, there are days when it's really fun. Most days it's not. If we only did things when they were fun, we would just be on the beach in the Dominican Republic not writing a book just hanging out. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's this, this uh, you know, people have this perception that, you know, we should write when we're inspired. It's like, no, we should write until we're done. Um, but what's interesting is yesterday, Marissa and I were talking about uh, me doing something where you write a book in a week, she's going to be my first guinea pig, where, you know, you sit down and so then you don't lose that momentum and and you just sort of do it. Um and, 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 you know, and really subscribing to the done is better than perfect because, you know, mm-hmm. perfectionism is just fear anyway. In terms of dealing with that, you know, one thing, and I take this from the recovery world, you know, we have a step in 12-step programs that's about writing out your fears every night and sort of write journaling, you know, by hand and just going, what am I so scared of? And so there's something about getting it on paper and then discussing it with somebody else that really makes you see what a boogeyman fear is. You know what I mean? That's awesome. That, yeah, that's amazing. And that idea with that you're going to do with Marissa, I would like to throw myself into the ring with that because if I could get a week of and a David time that's going to actually get me out of the, uh, you know, the stop start and keep me in momentum, I would, I mean, that is like, that is peak for me. That's the, the best possible way to do something is to do it with someone you trust in a set amount of time, right? Yeah. And what you, the commitment you would have to make is when you're done, you have to give it to us in order to publish it. There's no backing out. Like, we'll put that in the contract. Um and and we're gonna rent a you know really gorgeous beach house. So I mean, which we won't be able to enjoy very much because you know. Oh, but I will, as you know, I'll be able to jump <laughs> in the ocean it. while you guys are writing. But um, yeah, I mean, I do think that is a solution. What are these books that? And I know we'll get close to wrapping up soon, um, very soon. But these books that you have ninety percent of them written. What are they about? Are they about all the things that you know that seat in the boardroom, how to scale? those things so one is about my my journey to building a sales team Mm -hmm. with as somebody that was always terrified of selling um so it's how do i build how did i build a winning silicon valley sales team as someone with sales experience that was limited as somebody with sales confidence that was limited who wasn't a traditional salesperson and then how did i turn sort of the um the bad news bears of sales into this high performing team. Cause I, you know, I would have these high end folks that would come in and they would be less successful in, in my system than people that I would poach off the floor of a Neiman Marcus mm-hmm. or a, a Macy's or whatever. So that book is my sales process, team building and kind of the biz war almost. On the other hand, I also have my education process. So it's, you know, it is my like deep dive into the you know online or e-learning, how that works, why it's different, why universities have historically failed, my process, the difference, et cetera. I have a third one that was the start of the boardroom mm-hmm. kind of thing, but it kind of meanders. I, I couldn't really get to what I wanted to get to. So I actually, that one was very frustrating. 
Um, and then I had a fourth one that I'd started about um, community building and lives. As you know, like you know, the, part of the reason why I should write the book is I know that I have an audience for it because I've built, you know, heaps of folks that kind of just follow me around wherever I go and listen to all my stuff or, or read all my stuff. And I know that if I put something out there, they will be those advocates that pass it around. Mm -hmm. So I've got these four different triggers. None of them are my scaling book, which I think is the one that needs to be written. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that's, I think that's kind of my magnum opus is the process that we built around scaling. I, I don't think there's anyone else that's ever written the book the way we've done it or ever approached that topic the way we've done it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important. But um, yeah, those are those are the ones that kind of exist as as it is today in my in my Scrivener on my MacBook Pro that I haven't opened up in two years. Oh, you have a special MacBook Pro for writing books? Is that is that what you're telling us? <laughs> I, I've literally archived that whole computer. It's literally sitting on a shelf somewhere. And the only time I would ever open it is if I'm writing a book because all my other stuff is on my video production computers and the whole thing. You know, I'm a big nerd. So I have like mm. five different computers at the house mm -hmm. that all have different purposes because mm -hmm. again, big nerd. Yeah, that's a fascinating fact that that's that's for therapy. What, why you have all these computers <laughs> doing different things. But I, I do think it's interesting because what this conversation proves is is that it can it can take some time to even get to what you know in the beginning, which is that you want to write the book on scaling. And mm -hmm. I think that that's great because when you're getting someone to help you with your book, I think structure is so important and it's like, it's harder. I'm sure your three books that you have written 90% of are totally brilliant, but it's harder to fix something that may be broken from the beginning, which is to say structure, than it is to just start from yeah. scratch. And whenever somebody says to me, oh, I've been working on a book for three years, I'm like, oh, it must be a piece of shit because you are writing yourself into circles and holes. So how exciting yes. that we're going to, in a week at a gorgeous beach house, have you write your book on scaling and put it out. And so, and then how would you, do, how would you help build your business with that? Oh, I mean, I think, and I have got my 25 seconds, you're going to see how professional I am. So the the big thing that I think the book is going to allow me to do is I think it's going to be that easy sort of handoff business card to allow somebody to kind of peruse my process. I mean, what I want it to do is give people a way to validate my experience when I do equity advising. I mean, that's ultimately the big goal for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's gone, but um, but he's coming back so that we can wrap this up. Um, how brilliant has this been? Let's see if we can bring him back. Let's bring him back. Um, you know, Marissa and Ella, if you're still listening, you are troopers for sticking, sticking. with this. Ooh, can you hear me? I am here. Well, so, uh, you know, it was a, it was a bumpy beginning, I will say, but this has been <laughs> completely delightful. No, I, you know what? I'm, I'm always happy just to hang out with you. Like, you know me, I love you to death, Marissa. And I mean, like the fact that I was able to trick both of you into coming to Las Vegas. It's the best thing ever. Um, and hanging out with me for a couple of days was excellent. So getting the excuse to to come on and just talk with you. And, and by the way, like we need to do another one of these because I'm sure the people that are listening right now, you know, they're hearing your genius. I would love to 
work with you on what you're doing live as well and kind of show people, you know, there's this amazing Anna David who's incredibly talented at what she does. I mean, absolutely elite, top 1% of 1% of 1%. But, but being incredibly elite at what we do gets us to a certain point and then we have to kind of graduate and see these different things. And I, I don't think it's um I don't think it's me out of turn saying that for you to go to the next level that you are so, so, so capable of that you so deserve, um, you're going to need to maybe make some changes and change some of the things that, that you do, right? This is kind uh, yes. of what got you. Yeah. What gets you out of Egypt doesn't get you to the promised land. So you've built something incredible. Anybody listening can hear, like I said, when the honeyed words fall from your lips, they should be writing things down. Anybody can listen to you and know that you are absolutely elite at what you do. The question is, why is something like a scribe? Why did something like that get so big when it's nowhere near? And I, I, mm, I mean, obviously, I know releasing Tucker this. and all these different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know a, a lot of the folks that have been clients there. I know it, it's a totally different process, yeah. right? And I, it's not for me to to say what's better or what's worse, but I can say for sure that I'm better. That the level of in, yeah, the level of intention and and detail and the personal, um, just the personal input you put in is totally different than one of like more of those like big box kind of publishing in a box companies, right? Yeah. Um, and that's something that I would love to explore with you on one of these. Cause I think as much as what you've told me applies to every damn person in this room, you know, I, I think everyone listening wants Anna David to be, you know, as big as Anna David should be. Well, b bless you. And, you know, and Marissa and I were working on this yesterday and with the two of you mentoring me, I mean... There's no stopping me. And we should mention that we did do one of those mapping calls. So I have the beginning of the how to scale. And I was thinking as you were talking that you could put those, you know, the visuals of those charts in your book to show people what it is you do. And, you know, in terms of, in terms of scribe, they were about five years before us. And maybe they don't get mm -hmm. that I'm coming for them. Um, but, but, you know, equality is so important to me that it, it's really hard to, to make it a machine that, that, you know, pumps out hundreds of books a year. Um, so, so, and, and frankly, I'm super inspired by Scribe and Tucker and, and, um, you know, he's been an unofficial mentor to me in a way. And I do believe in collaboration and not competition, but, you know, we're, we're not going to collaborate on anything. Um, but, but Yeah. <laughs> I want to grow. Well, you know, it, it's kind of funny because I, I don't say that to be um, sort of uh, like minimizing what Tucker's company does. There's a place for it. I just think it fills a very different void than what what you do does. I think what you do is much more personal. I think what you yeah. do is much more strategic. I think what they do is it's it is it's book in a box it's kind of built for people that know they need a book but don't really have a lot of thought behind what the book necessarily needs to be mm -hmm. whereas i think when someone works with anna david they're doing it because they're genuinely looking for mentorship and guidance along the way 
which is, it's different. It's, it's like when someone works with me, sure, there's other people that do things that I do, but if they're going to work with me, they're doing it because there is that hyper personal level of really building something around who they are rather than business in a box. If they're mm-hmm. going to work with Marissa, right, who we both love to death, they're doing it because of who she is and how she approaches things rather than just bringing another, you know, business strategist, brand strategist, marketing strategist. There's there's millions of folks that can kind of fall under the umbrellas we fall under. It's who we are mm-hmm. and the way we approach things that make us different. And that, that's something that I would say about you. It's something I would say about Marissa. Um, and as you say, I'm not very good at talking about myself, but it's absolutely something that I would say about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to an extent, I, you know, maybe that is a book that needs to be written as well, which is mm-hmm. how do people like us build that network of folks that can really support us? Because an Anna David and a Marissa and me, we all need each other in different ways. How do you build the network that actually gets you to the next level? Because most people network for the sake of networking. But since I was 18 years old, I've invested in people instead of things. And it's the best investment I've ever made. That is genius. And I do think it could be a chapter of the scaling because it's such a huge part of it. And then, you know, yeah. and, and then each chapter can be its own book once, you know, you're sitting, you know, on top of your 12 books later, even though you only need one. You may need more. So listen, um, this has been fantastic. And I'm so proud of us for breaking our wisdom cherry t- together. Oh, sorry, that sounded inappropriate. But um, but it has been delightful. And I'm so grateful to you. And yeah, let's do another one where we do session two of what you started walking me through. I, absolutely. And I'll tell you, it was it was an honor to uh, be part of the wisdom cherry breaking. And I just hope it was as good f- for you as it was for me. <laughs> the first time <laughs> is stressful, let's be honest. Um, but this has been great. And I guess I just close out by hitting the X. And thank you so, so much. And thank you, Marissa and Ella for listening. And absolutely. everyone else Thanks who's all the listeners. gonna hear it. Many, many people will hear it later. I just want to be clear. It's not just two people adore you to death thank you so much oh by the way if people want to reach you out in the world we know you're very hard to find how can people reach you so you just need to throw a message in a bottle tie a note to a pigeon's leg Um, no the the easiest way to do it is to go to teach to scale.com t-e-a-c-h-t-o-s-c-a-l-e.com um, you're going to find a very simple site there that gives you a couple ways to start. And I would advise anybody that is interested in learning more about me to just come be part of our weekly lives. Uh, we just ended a season, but we're going to be starting to do wisdom every week. And I'm going to be interviewing Anna, which um, I'm kind of throwing her on the spot because I know she has to say yes because she hates podcasts. But I'm going to be interviewing Anna more about her process and bringing her to my community. And I'd love all of you to be a part of that. So we do that live on Zoom and Wisdom. It's going to be a simulcast. um, And we're extremely, extremely excited. So if you guys want to be there, again, teachtoscale.com. You can follow us on Wisdom, Instagram, Facebook, etc. So we appreciate you guys. Anna, thank you so much for having me. Um, and it was super cool to be able to do something uncomfortable and, and hang out with you and do our first wisdom. 
Yes. And and anybody who's listening on the podcast, Wisdom is the coolest new app. So all you have to do to hear Joe on this is you join the app and then I, you know you follow him and then you can listen in um, live on any conversation. And if 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 I had understood this more, we can he can bring and I can too bring you into future conversations. So it's a way to be a part of a wonderful conversation. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Marissa. Thank you, Ella. And I will talk to you later. Thanks for joining me this week on Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with Anna David. For more info about the show, go to entrepreneurpublishing.academy where you can get links to show notes and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and all the other places. Speaking of those places, if you got anything out of this show, I can't tell you how much I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. And please, don't forget you can tell an author or entrepreneur friend about the show. Another forget-me-not, my company Legacy Launchpad Publishing is available to help industry leaders and those with stories to share at any stage in their publishing journeys, whether that's writing, editing, or publishing. Just go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com to find out more. And be sure to tune in next week for next week's episode. You know, if you subscribe, you never have to worry about missing one.